this podcast from Jubilee Church Derby, a church family looking to make a difference across the city of Derby and beyond. This is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations, and you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Morning. It's so cool to be with you this morning, and um, I, I want to echo what Richard said about, I just love spending time in, in worship, and, and it's so good to hear about how the good news of God is going out from beyond, um, uh, be, beyond Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. We're looking at Acts at the moment, and right at the beginning of Acts, this is what Jesus says to the disciples. He says, you'll be my witnesses. In, Ju- in Jerusalem, and then Judea and Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. And we're, think- we're thinking about what's, what does the gospel, what does it look like to witness for Jesus here in Derby, but also to be able then to, to connect with how does that word go out from not just not just our city and kind of the and, and the nearby neighbours that we might not get on so well with, like like Nottingham, like but but actually, but how, but how does it go beyond three three and a half thousand miles away to Ontario to to a land that's just that looks kind of the same but is really really different? How does the gospel get there? And and so what we're hearing about in the words of the Lord this morning actually speaks into how this how this word goes from here to the nations do you know we we're coming to the the end of the first part of acts right so so we so today i've got to cover acts 6 and 7 and Acts 7 is a really long chapter. Really, The reason I haven't got a head, head mic on this morning is because my beard might grow that long during just reading the chapter that it will get all in the, in the head mic. So I've, I've had to use one of these. thing is, that, that, that I'm getting an evil off James here, but I, I think that's what he said. So, so we come to the end of Acts 7, and actually we start to see that the gospel... The good news of Jesus Christ, the message of Jesus Christ, after having spent about three years in Jerusalem, is about to head out. Is about to head out to the surrounding country. Is about to to leave the the confines of the city. And it's all been preparing for this anyway. It's all bit we've all been getting ready for it because because at the coming of uh, at the coming of the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon all people in Jerusalem. Well, thousands of people in Jerusalem. The gift of languages was given as well. Like God was, God was preparing for his message to get out, to get out from the city into the nations, to go out from here, from, from where there's a physical temple, out to the nations. And we're going uh, to hear about the tail end of, of the time in Jerusalem. The time where, um, where it's about 
is, is Jerusalem going to become, is, uh, is Jerusalem going to start to follow Christ? We're on the tipping point here. There are many, many people coming to know Jesus. We're hearing about really good things. David last week was talking about how ministry amongst, amongst the early church was just increasing and increasing. And they had to make sure that they were doing a really good job with the distribution of food. And but, but because they, they were they were just doing all sorts of amazing things and they had to keep their eyes on the prize. How are we going to keep on speaking the word of God? How are we going to keep on praying? How are we going to keep on serving the poor? They needed, to, they needed to keep their eyes and be really strategic and really focused in what they were going to do. But actually, all this goodness, all the building is about to go wrong. It's about to get pretty nasty in Jerusalem. It's about to get pretty bloody in Jerusalem. And we see when when um, when the apostles are saying, well, oh, we've got we've got to start looking after, we've got to do a better job of looking after the poor in our city. And they go, hang on, if we do if we do this, then who's going to preach the word and, and commit to prayer. Let's appoint some really brilliant people. So amongst the brilliant people um, are Stephen and Philip. There's some other people with harder names to say, but Stephen and Philip come up in the later chapters, and I particularly want to talk, um, uh, talk about Stephen. See, when we first hear about Stephen, what do, we, what do we know about? In Acts chapter 6, it says that he was full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And whilst he's doing this serving, pick this up in Acts chapter 6. So if, you, if, you, if you've got your Bibles this morning, uh, you can have a look at Acts. It's in the New Testament. Um, and it talks about the Acts of the early church. Okay, so, so find the book of Acts. We're looking at Acts chapter 6, verse 8. Now, we've, we've already heard he's a man of, full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And he was, and he was asked to be involved with a ministry that was serving the poor and the, the widowed, distributing food. A man full of God's grace and power, Stephen was. This is, this is in addition to being in, full of faith and the Holy Spirit. He performed great wonders and signs among the people. An opposition arose from... I'm, I'm going to have to summarize a lot of this. So opposition opposed from some Jewish people who couldn't match him for the signs and wonders that he was doing. So they tried to argue with him. But verse 10 says, they couldn't stand up against the wisdom that the Spirit gave him as he spoke. So they've tried, they've tried matching him for signs and wonders. Ain't working. They've tried matching him for... Um, uh, for arguing philosophically, and they can't stand up to that because of the wisdom that this guy who was leading a ministry serving the poor had. This wisdom that the Spirit gave him as he spoke. And so the next thing they did was they lied. Okay, and they, they lied and said, well, he just, he never stopped speaking about this holy place, uh, sorry, stopped speaking against this holy place, so they're meaning the temple, and the law, the law of Moses, the, the code by which we live by, the only way by which people can be right with God. 
This is is the the lies that they they said against him. Stephen didn't. Stephen was not talking against the temple. But don't be surprised. Let's take a, a first point. Maybe, actually, maybe the... Yeah, let's take this first point here. Don't be surprised if people see in you Jesus and they know that they can't match you for signs and wonders and they know they can't argue philosophically with you perhaps because they've never even thought that way and so what they might just jump straight into doing is lying maybe it isn't people arguing with you Maybe it's our enemy. Maybe it's the devil. 1 Peter 5 tells us to be alert and of sober mind. When you're of sober mind, you can be filled with the Spirit. Okay? So be alert and of sober mind because, you're, because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So resist him, standing firm in the faith. So whether the lies come from people, whether they come from the devil saying, you're not, you're not really someone who belongs in church. You're not really someone who deserves to lift their hands in worship this morning. You're not really someone who God loves. He's making do with you. If, you, if, if, there, if there are lies that come in like that, if there are lies that come in with say, that, that people say to you about, do you know what the... The, the church just hates so much. It's a lie. The church is abounding with the love of Christ. So stand firm in the faith. Resist those lies. Resist the devil. Don't, don't let it, don't let those things get to you. Don't let those things, don't entertain those lies. Reject them in the name of Jesus. Anyway, Stephen is seized and he's put on trial in front of the high priest. I wonder if that starts to ring any bells. Who else was seized three years before and put on trial in front of the high priest? And despite all these false accusations that were leveled at him, He has the grace because because Acts 6 tells us that he's full of grace. Okay, And he has the grace to to address his accusers as, he says, fathers and brothers. That's how he addresses them. He he talks to them as his own. He talks to them as his own family. He he says, fathers and brothers. This is how he starts his defense. And he he commences his defense like this. and, And actually... If we, if we head back again to, to the first letter of Peter, as Stephen starts his defense, if we think about how, what Peter tells us to do, he's, he says, always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. 
So this is what Peter's advice to the church is. People are going to ask you about the hope that you have, the hope that is in you. And you need to, you need to be ready to make a defense about that. You need to be ready when someone asks you about it and kind of puts you on trial like they did with Stephen. You need to be ready to say, this is the reason for the hope that I have. I wonder, is that something that you ever think about? Is that something that you ever run through in your mind? I wonder what I'd say. Is that something that you've that someone that people have ever asked you about? And you've I, I know I have been caught off guard by it. Oh man, I can't I can't believe that they asked me about this and I just didn't have the words ready to say. And my efforts were sometimes just stumbling stuttering messes of, of, of the great faith, the great life that Jesus has called me into. Because I just wasn't ready. And perhaps I was just too much living in the here and the now to be aware of all the greatness and the goodness that he has called me into, to speak out of that life that he has called me into. Because, you know, I was just focused down here. But this is what Peter tells us to do. Be ready to make a defense. So, high priest says to Stephen, Stephen, is this true? You've been accused of speaking about, uh, speaking against this holy place, the temple and of the law. Is this true? I don't know what you would say in this situation. I think my, my answers here might be, they, they feel like if I was on trial and I'd just been seized and I had to, I had to say, uh, I, I, no, I didn't talk about, I didn't say anything against the temple. No, I, I tell you what, Stephen is way more eloquent than this. And, and let's have a look at how he does it. Now, we're going to summarize this massively because... This is, this is, I think, the, the longest recorded speech after Jesus, um, after, after the time of Jesus. So, so this is a long chapter, um, and I'm, I'm going to summarize it. Um, let, me, let me just cut to the end as well. He speaks for a long time. His audience get quite upset with him, and they stone him at the end of it. So, so... Point number two, I'm preaching to myself. Don't preach for too long because I'm not sure if our welcome team was frisking you for stones or rocks, okay? So, um, but as we, su- as we summarize it, um, we're going to go a bit quicker. We're going to talk, he was talking to a particular culture. He knew his culture very well. And um, th- th- he knew the people that he was talking to extremely well. And as... But because we don't live in that time, I'm going to explain a little bit about it as we go. And um, because we're summarizing it, I might explain it without some of the gentleness and respect that Peter tells us to do so when we're making a defense of our faith. So, So, the first thing that he does is start to give them a history lesson. Why is he giving them a history lesson? Why, why does he say, brothers and fathers, 
let me tell you about Abraham. Well, the first accusation that he was given was that actually he had been talking against this holy place, the temple in which they were. So, so he, he starts by addressing, let's have a look at what, pla- at what holy places really are. You want to talk about holy places? All right, let's talk about holy places. So when, when Abraham first met God, where was he? He was in Mesopotamia. That's not here. That's not this holy place. Okay? God made a massive promise to him that has shaped our entire people in Mesopotamia, not here. Next place you might want to talk about is Joseph. You know Joseph, that the guy who saved our fathers, who was rejected by our fathers. Do you remember he called them fathers? He addressed them as fathers. He said, so... Joseph was rejected by our fathers. He he was sold into slavery in Egypt. God came close to him in the prison, not in the temple, in Egypt, not here. Not in the four walls of the church. Not Not in the holy place that it looks like. And he and he saved. The nation of Israel, Jacob and our fathers. The, the, so when, when um, Stephen is talking about the fathers, he's talking about the, the sons of Jacob, the sons of Israel, who um, gave, their, gave their names to the tribes of Israel. So that's, that's how the whole country of Israel was organized. The Jewish people were organized into tribes. I'm of the, the house of Judah. Jesus was of the house of Judah, the tribe of Judah. But this is how they, these guys were in Egypt. They came to Egypt because Joseph, who you rejected, who our fathers rejected, had food for them in Egypt because God came, came close to him. He was in Egypt, not here. Our fathers lived and died in Egypt, not here. And then they stay in Egypt and Moses is born. You know, Moses, the guy who gave us the law, the guy who gave us the entire code. God spoke through him to give us, to build the scaffold for exactly how we should live, exactly what it is to know, to live God, uh, to live to know God. And he, and he was in Egypt at the time. And actually, he was, he was raised as an Egyptian. And then he went to his, uh, he, he met his Israelite brothers. He, he went to them. And do you know what they did? They rejected him. They said, who made you judge over us? And he went into exile. And he went into Midian, not here, where God met him in a burning bush in Midian. Not the holy place, not the temple, not, not the four walls of the church. And God met him and he called him back. From Midian to Egypt, where the people were, where the people needed to know the presence of the Lord, where the people needed to be set free. And he leads them out, Moses does, out of the desert, uh, so out of Egypt, through the Red Sea, into the desert. He heads up onto the mountain, Mount Sinai. Not here. Not this mountain. Mount Sinai. And he sees God. 
he sees God. He sees God that it changes his face. That he sees the presence of the Holy One. He, he, that that peop, his face was just so different because of it. He was radiating the glory of God because he had met with God not in a temple. And our fathers rejected him, Stephen says. Stephen says all this while at the end of verse 6 you can, you can read that his, everyone that looked on him thought, wow, we're looking at an angel. The, his face is just different. His face is, there's something going on here. That the, There is something of heaven literally covering this man. That he is... the. That the way he speaks, that the peace he has, that the, the way that the Spirit works in him is just like something of heaven. Because Stephen knew God and he was a man full of the Holy Spirit, full of grace, full of power, full of faith. And in his defense, Stephen starts to talk about how the, the nomadic people of Israel, the tribes of Israel, were led into the promised land. And how eventually this temple that we're standing in got to be built. The temple in which he was on trial. It was King David who wanted to build a, a house for the Lord. And it was his son, it was his son Solomon who actually did it. And when Solomon built the temple, he prayed to the Lord. And you can read this in, in 1 Kings. He said, But will God really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heavens, cannot contain you. How much less this temple that I have built. There was something just like, okay, we're trying to meet God in this temple and, the, and we'll get something of the flavor of the Lord. We'll get something of, the, of, of his presence as we dwell with him. We'll, sometimes the temple was even shaken by the manifest presence of the Lord and it was filled. But, but as the architect of the temple said, how much, look, the heavens can't contain God. So how much less is this little building going to contain him? So in the history lesson that Stephen is exacting upon the people in the... He's apparently on trial. And he's kind of turning the trial upon them. He's saying, oh, you want to talk about me talking against this holy place? Well, maybe your view of God is too small. Maybe he exists in more than just these four walls. Actually, it looks like he turns up in a lot of other different countries. It looks like he goes to the oppressed and the needy. He turns up in the jails. Not just in these four walls. He goes, in amongst his defense, he talks about how there are people that God sent, prophets that God sent, who 
his people, our fathers, as he referred to them, rejected. That they would come with, with calls of repentance and come and just, hey, look, we're going the wrong way. We're, we're, we're applying this whole temple thing in the wrong way. God is present in it, but let's do this in a way that shows mercy. And every time that he was talking about, every time, they just, the people rejected the people rejected the voice of God, the, the voice of the prophet, the ones that who God had chosen to say, come back, get to know God, actually, actually circumcise your hearts, actually, actually be cut off from those other things. No, no, this is the way we do it. We do it this way. We've got this is the way that we worship the Lord. This is the way that we need to read our scriptures. This is the way that who's allowed to talk and who isn't. This is the way that we have to sacrifice. Only then can you know the Lord. Jesus said, Jesus said about that whole system, it's the, the one who shows mercy. Actually, all of that is pointless if there's no mercy. Of the prophets that he's talking about, Stephen talks about, he says, and then there's Jesus, the one who is able to give you a way out of this entirely, a, a way to fulfill the law. And do you know what you did? You murdered him. People of Jerusalem, this is what you did. You murdered him. Actually, he's kind of, this is about to happen again. Stephen has come again to them with the good news. Come again to say, here's, here's a chance for repentance. Here is a chance to say, oh, actually, we got it wrong. We'll repent. We will see the Messiah as the fulfillment of the law. But instead, they just got so angry. They got so angry at this man who, who, was clear, who clearly had the face of an angel, who, who clearly had something of heaven on him. And still their hearts went, ah, I, really, I really can't bear to hear this. This challenges everything that I've ever lived for. Every, all that I've built my life upon. is how, how can it be fulfilled in Jesus? And they got so angry that they took him out and stoned him. And what, what that means is they, they took him out and they couldn't get blood on their hands because that was against the law. So they picked up rocks and they threw them at him. And so he just died of a horrible trauma. I don't, I don't know if you can imagine being in that situation. Being scared for your life. That there's no one quick bullet that's going to end it. That it's going to just be horrible. That you're probably going to have bones broken in the process And yet, Stephen, full of grace, asked the Lord to forgive them. Just like Jesus asked the Lord to forgive his murderers. And, 
and to cap it. As a, and, and what hurt the, the, his killers even more. And the, the, there's this guy called Saul who was, who was there watching the whole thing, approving of the whole thing. Stephen says at the end of it, I can see heaven open up and the Son of Man is standing. Son of Man doesn't stand at the right hand of God. He doesn't. He sits at the right hand of the Lord. He sits. God is in control on the throne. Actually, it's not, it's not hard for him to run the earth. It's not hard for him to keep the universe going. It's all in his power. He's not frantic. He's not trying to get it done. It's just happening because he's God. He sat on the throne. He's not rushing around in a hundred different places. And yet, Stephen saw the Son of Man standing. Who knows what this means? But maybe it was Jesus going to open the door of heaven to him. Maybe it was, come on in. You've done such a good job. I'm so proud of you. I'm standing up to welcome you in. My brother. This is Stephen's grace. That he held nothing against them. This bad stuff that was happening. He didn't go. Richard, he didn't go angry. He didn't go to work angry. He was so full of grace. He was so full of the spirit. He knew it was going to happen. When you're mounting a defense, could you have said something like that? Could you have said, could you have come at, your, at the accusations in the way that Stephen had? I know there have been times where I've stumbled to say all that God has done for me. And I know there have been times where I've been way more aware and I've been asking the Holy Spirit to help me with the words. And it's come out in a, such a more convincing way than I could ever say. Such a more convincing way than, than I would ever have the, the earthly power to do. So much less rambling than I would normally do. Because the Holy Spirit has empowered me in that moment. Stephen was a man full of the Spirit. He was a man full of the Spirit who clearly knew his Bible as well. He knew, he knew his Old Testament. He knew how to, how to go, okay, let's talk about places. Let's talk about the way that, that God appears to our fathers in places that isn't this temple. He didn't just know John 3.16 or or I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, which were spoken to a people in exile. It's so important that we understand our Bibles in context. It's so important that we understand more than just, more than just the kind of the caption on the photo. There's nothing wrong with having Bible verses up around your home. Understand what they are in context. You know, when I was reading this chapter, I was probably... Chapter 7 is so long, 
I fell asleep a few times when I was trying to read it. Partly I was tired after the work day. So bound up in, in the jobs and the chores, in the, in, in the avid status updates or the next snack or the next... Um, the next paycheck or, or the next holiday or the worrying about money or the, all these things. All these things crowd in on us, right? That they keep us, in, they keep us here and not thinking about the eternal word of God. You know, Jesus, when he, he was with his disciples, and he, it was about to be Jesus' moment. We just heard about Stephen's moment where it was like, right, he's giving a defense of the gospel and then they murdered him. And it made it into the word of God. And it's an example for us all. And Jesus, when he was about to go to the cross and he was there with his best mates, the ones who had been following him the whole time, who knew what he was about. And he was, and he was praying harder than he had ever prayed before because he was about to be cut off from the Father Father God, who he had been separated from for all eternity. Sorry, who he'd been part of for all eternity. He was about to be separated from. And he, he was praying so hard about it that drips, drops of blood were coming out. And after he finishes praying, he comes back to his mates and they're asleep. And he says, couldn't you watch with me one hour? In fact, he says to Peter, we've heard, I've mentioned Peter a few times, just such an important figure in the early church. He says to Peter, he uses his old name, he goes, Simon. It's really confusing when you read it in Mark. He said, he said to Peter, Simon, couldn't you watch with me one hour? Oi, old, that's the old you. The old you is so bound up in Candy Crush. It's so bound up in, in, the, next, in, the, in the next pay, in the, in, the next, um, in the next snack, in the next sex, in the next whatever it is. That's the old you. Simon, couldn't you watch with me one hour? Tim, couldn't you read the whole of Acts 7? Don't you know it's the 21st century? Don't you have a phone? Don't you have the Bible app on your phone? Don't you, have, don't you know that if you go to the NIV UK, you can have David Suchet, a.k.a. Hercule Poirot, read it in a voice out to you that you can, you can listen to when you're cooking, you can listen to when you're shaving, you can listen to on the commute to work, in a voice that is actually so refreshing to listen to because it doesn't sound like he's, the voice of the Bible is trying to sell you something or murder you. <laughs> It's so, it's so easy to put that on. And may, you know, maybe, okay, a roundabout's coming up. You can't pay the whole attention. Paying some attention to the word of the Lord is better than paying no attention at all to the word of the Lord. Maybe, you know what? God's quite complex. Maybe his word needs more than a once over anyway. So listen to it on the way home as well. Listen to the same passage on the way home. Maybe your reading of the word needs to be with other people. Maybe you get that Bible app out again and you go, hey, there's this, wicked, there's this really good reading plan. I want to do that with my friends. And, and so you read it together. Maybe you're going to meet up 
separately. Uh, so meet, meet up, uh, you read, you read a book of the Bible over a month and then you meet up and you talk about it and you chew it over. Actually, there's so much, there's so much wisdom in the word of the Lord. This is it. This is it. That actually, if we read the word of the Lord and the Spirit applies it to our hearts, it changes our hearts. Maybe you're really diligent. Maybe you have been really diligent. Maybe, maybe there's just a season that you're in that it's like, oh, do you know, oh, I've let that slip. And actually, the words of the Lord, I'm just too bound up in the other things. And I'm not letting the word of the Lord sort of just apply to my heart. How, how would I ever make a defense? Because the word of the Lord is not in my heart filling me up. But maybe you genuinely try to read it and you go, this is just so old. I just don't understand it. It's so hard to read. It was written thousands of years ago. For a start, maybe have a look at trying to get a different version. Maybe there are, there's different translations of the Bible. And, and some of them are a bit easier to read than others. And if you want some help on that, just come and talk to me at the end of it. Right? We'll, we'll, we can give you some advice about that. But, but actually, this is an old these are historical texts that actually the words of this page can just stay in the book or they, you can read them and they can just flow out of your head afterwards if the Spirit of God doesn't apply them to your soul. And, and may, so maybe you've really, really tried, and I, I want to ask you about this, you know, if you've really, really tried and it just doesn't make sense and you're just stuck at all I know is, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. If that's all you know, that's such a good starting point. But let the Holy Spirit fill you and apply it to your heart. It's really hard to understand, the Bible is. Paul, who was the guy who was called Saul, who was a who was watching and approving of all that was going on when Stephen was killed. He says this when he writes to the Corinthians. He says um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, what we've received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by, to us by human wisdom, but in words taught us by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit doesn't accept the things that come of the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and can't understand them because they're just discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgment about all things, but such a person is not subject merely to human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord? so as to instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. So I would like us to spend a moment responding to this. And actually, I wonder, could we, could we 
sing, please, Naomi. I'd love us. I'd love us to sing. And we're going to welcome, um, going to welcome the Holy Spirit in, into this moment of response. But I think there's there's some two kind of distinct applications to this. One is one is just a really practical thing where you've gone, I know the word, I, I know the words of the Lord. I, you know, I've got my favorite Psalms. I know, I know how the reading that restores my soul. I know that. I love it. It's brilliant. But I've just got out of the habit. Actually, as we as we sing, now's going to be an opportunity for you to just make that commitment with God again. Just to go, Lord, your word is wonderful. It's a lamp unto my feet and I haven't got it out for a little bit and I, I, I want to just spend some time getting to, you, getting to know your wisdom again. And the other response is for those of you who go, I've tried and I'm ashamed actually of just not knowing these words, of, of, of letting... I, I, the Bible feels like such a burden. It feels like so hard to read. Every time I try and pick it up, it's just, ah. Uh, actually, something in my spirit just turns. Like, you're never going to understand it. Just don't even bother. And we would love for you to be filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit would apply these wonderful and ancient, everlasting truths to your soul. So, so as we as we sing this song, let's um, let's make those commitments to Him. Let's say, Lord, I I want to get back to Your Word, or Lord, I want to be filled with Your Spirit that I might know Your Word for the first time. So, let's let's sing, and then as we. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk.